Hey, ringers, you are listening to an older episode of the Put a Ring on It podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you're on a total binge and this is your 50th, thank you. You are already a ringer in our hearts. You'll hear more about ringers in future episodes. And you'll hear in season six that we launched a Patreon community for amazing ringers just like you. But because this is an older episode, you're not yet privy to that information. And we didn't want you to miss out, so please accept our invitation to join us at patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash P-A-R-O-I. Patreon is a membership platform that allows amazing listeners like you to support fun-loving creatives like us in a really big way. Yeah, you can become a supporter for as little as two bucks a month, and we've got some amazing benefits for you, like getting your questions answered, one-on-ones with Danielle and I, and a ton more. All are welcome, and we can't thank you enough for your support. Okay, now on to the show. Welcome to the Put a Ring on a Podcast, a podcast for brides, grooms, and everyone else. I'm Daniel Pasternak, wedding planner and organizer of all the things. I'm Daniel Moyer, wedding photographer and laser tag dominator. Let's do this. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 40 of the Put a Ring on It Podcast. Daniel Moyer, how are you? Oh, four, zero, 40. That's we a nice round. We are in our 40s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're not going through a midlife crisis yet, though, right? No, actually, I was like... thinking about that. We should sort of do something special for episode 50. I think that would be really lovely, don't you? Okay. Like, we if should anybody pop out there's a listening. bottle of champagne. Oh, on air? Like, maybe that should be our first live one. First, oh. first live recording, 50. What do you think about that, people? Let us that's, know. What we should do for, for the 50th episode. Let us know. We need to get our we need to get our our act together a little bit more, Daniel. If we're gonna do that, we've but actually we been this. recording for an hour already, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, this is that we just we did the opening twenty times already. So um, there you go. That's how you know it actually takes us six hours to do each episode. Yep, just each because episode. we're such perfectionists. <laughs> perfectionists, <laughs> yes, you. that's the word. <laughs> well, Dan, speaking of perfectionists, uh, we do have a lovely guest on today. <laughs> We have, um, I know, we have Lois Heckman on. She, Lois is a um, someone that we've both worked with before, but she's a celebrant and an officiant from our beautiful state of Pennsylvania. And we've worked with her over the years, and she always puts together some of the most beautiful and, and heartfelt ceremonies for, for couples to be. And as a woman, I, I look up to her in just so many ways, and I'm so excited for her to be sharing her ceremony knowledge with us in today's episode. Dan, are you excited? Yes, I'm excited. <laughs> Welcome, Lois. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. I'm the one who's excited. You did this 40 times already. This is my first <laughs> time with you. <laughs> that is true. We um, we were talking before we started recording. We were um, saying how many weddings a year Lois does compared to us. And Lois said she does, you said, around 75 weddings yeah. a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yes. Which Dan and I are recently much lower. So I think you're the experienced one coming to coming to bat here. <laughs> well, we all come from different perspectives, so you you know I'm experienced about the ceremony. So, so speaking of that, Lois, when did you get started um, along this path of being um, a celebrant? 
Well, there's kind of two answers to that. One is in 2005 when I learned about the Celebrant Foundation and Institute and studied there and graduated and began my practice. But the other answer is all my life because in some ways my entire life has led up to this because of the different paths I've chosen and walked down through uh, writing, music, entertaining, uh, and even counseling and working with battered women and sexual assault survivors, which may seem r- crazy when I, how does that relate to weddings? But it really helped me learn how to listen to people and respect where they're coming from. So everything I've done is really contributes to what I bring to mm-hmm. my work as a celebrant. Okay. okay. So, in, so in 2005, those when you sort of started the official process? Yeah, that's the real answer. <laughs> well, no, but I, I get what you're saying. I We all have our backgrounds in different things. My background is in dance and theater, and that's very much how I transitioned. I got an injury when I was at a certain age that took me out of any type of performing career or, or anything like that, and I just sat down and said, what am I what am I good at? What are my skills? And it just it, it hit me like a ton of bricks that this was exactly what I wanted to do. So I always think that's really interesting. Now, my knowledge is based off of Pennsylvania weddings and Pennsylvania to get married in Pennsylvania is actually a really tricky state um, legally, right? Yes. And that ties into something that we talked about that we wanted to discuss in this program today Mm -hmm. is about how do you choose an officiant and you're speaking directly to who is legal to officiate. And it's a really complicated answer because the courts they are not clear themselves, neither is the statute. I'm not a lawyer, obviously, and I'm not giving legal advice here. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of people just get an online ordination, click a button, and fill out a license and send it in. And the truth of the matter is, is that there's probably no clerk in all of Pennsylvania that's not going to accept that. However, if it is challenged, and it was two times in, in recent history, uh, your, your wedding your license could be thrown out if it's challenged. So I have the credentials needed and I don't encourage people to use somebody who they're not a hundred percent sure is legal. Right. So, and and you're saying the license, like as in their marriage license would be thrown out. Yes. That suddenly that beautiful wedding that they planned and celebrated and, and did all that thing for is suddenly not, never happened. Not legal. It could be. It happened. It happened actually happened one time. In York, Pennsylvania. Wow. So, a um, really it, famous case. That's interesting. Is it outside of Pennsylvania as well? Obviously, our listeners are all over the world, but um, I'm curious because I know we have a tricky state compared to others, but there must be other, you know, quirks and different things about different states out there too, I imagine. Yeah, they are. Like in New York, um, in the city, you have to have a bricks and mortar location, but in the rest of the state, you don't as an officiant. Mm-hmm. So, every state is completely huh. unique. States, control marriage, which is why we needed that Supreme Court ruling for LGBT people to get married because some states were making it legal and others they weren't. So so if you're married legally in one state, then you go to another state, you're no longer married. That doesn't make any sense. So thank goodness the court said, no, it's got to be legal throughout the whole country. Gotcha. Um, So so as people are starting to go down this road of choosing their officiant what's what's the best way to for everybody out there to go um look at at their officiant where do they start what what credentials are they looking for what questions should they ask well they start with their own traditions um if you are a person of faith if you belong to a church a synagogue a mosque 
and your partner is on board for that same faith tradition, you're kind of set, you know, you're going to have your priest, minister, rabbi, whatever. However, uh, in the Catholic Church, the priest will not marry outside of the church. So a lot of couples want an outdoor wedding. They want their ceremony and reception in the same venue. It's so much nicer. (laughs) <laughs> you know, than having to travel yeah. from a church and then there's that downtime in between and all that. And a lot of people are going this more modern way of doing it all in one place. So, or you may be doing a destination. Maybe you have your minister in your hometown, but you're getting married, you know, in the Poconos and your minister isn't there. So you have yeah. to find somebody who is legal, but somebody that fits who you are as a person and as a couple. And people, even within just two people, can have a very diverse backgrounds. So, you know, finding that right person who's going to be able to blend those backgrounds can be tricky. Now, I didn't want this conversation to be, you know, an advertisement for celebrants. But the truth of the matter <laughs> is, is that we celebrants are highly trained in doing just yeah. that. But there's a, there's a lot of good people out there. You just have to have a good conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's I think that's something Dan and I talk about a lot is, you know, it's it's about doing your due diligence and having those conversations and just connecting with people and and seeing where those connections fall. Now, um, what I notice is um, the verbiage tends to um, be, I, I guess, interchangeable. But is it really when you say officiant, when you say celebrant, like are those mm-hmm. all the same things in terms of what can be done? Or is there a reason that there's different terms? That is a great question, and a lot of couples are confused about that themselves, so this will be very valuable for them as they listen to this. They're basically interchangeable. I mean, a priest celebrates Mass, and a priest calls himself a celebrant as well. In fact, the Pope did a wedding recently, and he signed his – I was so excited I posted it up. He signed uh, his name and put wedding celebrant. Uh, But officiant means that you officiate or you conduct the service – uh, so yeah, they're basically interchangeable. Okay, so if, if if one person's calling themselves an officiant and another person's calling themselves a celebrant, as far as the couple's concerned, it doesn't matter. It shouldn't really matter to them which it is right. based on their right. Okay. Yeah, uh, but celebrant. When you sign a marriage license, you can't sell, sign it ce- celebrant. Uh, you have to put your official legal title. Hmm. Ooh, like so there, like so there is a difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Your doctor doesn't Do sign you... a doctor; he signs the MD, right? So, Lois, there's, um, you know, that's one side of things, but I also think there's a side of having a friend um, officiate your wedding for you because you know that's a that's that's a wonderful a wonderful thing. And if you have a friend who's a great speaker, you know, I think a lot of couples consider that as an option. What are your thoughts on that? Right. Uh, my thoughts are several on that. First of all, do you really Spill. want your friend to have to work at your wedding? Um, mm. Do you want, you know, would you take dance lessons from someone that never danced a step in their life? Probably not. Um, somebody that's never officiated a wedding will not have this, probably won't know all the little ins and outs. There will be missteps. It can be very charming. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying go into it with your eyes open. Um, I was called to a wedding um, to sign a certificate for a couple because the uh, people at the venue were sure that that person would not be legal. And I said, sure, I'll come by. And I did a little ceremony in a private room and married them and signed their certificate. And then I hung around to watch their friend officiate the wedding. Now, granted, this is anecdotal, but I think it does speak to the point. So uh, the friend uh, asked everyone to stand 
And, uh, you know, the processional begins and then he forgets to tell everybody to please be seated. I've seen that. Uh, (laughs) You know, that was the first thing. And then he went on this very long thing he had written about what love is. And he just went on and on and on and on. And it was really, you know, it was really about making himself seem very clever. And I found it very painful because for me, when I create a ceremony, it's about the couple. It's not about me. Yeah. And I felt he made it about himself and I felt really bad and they didn't know any better and everybody thought it was sweet and adorable. But I left thinking, gosh, guys, you could have had something with a lot more depth than that, but you don't know that. So that's so be it, you know? Yeah. That's a tricky thing about weddings, I suppose, is you don't know what you don't know. And as you go into it, you start making all of these decisions that lead to other decisions. And then suddenly the day comes and you're, you're sort of left with the result of all these decisions. And it's so easy to say like, well, gosh, like if we could do that again, we would do this differently or we would do that differently. But it's really a once in a lifetime day for many of us. um, Or at least I think that's what many of us go into it thinking. So it's really tricky. And that's why maybe Dan and I stress so much is, you know, hire those professionals, hire the good people and put those people in place so that you have the least amount of regrets possible that as you're going through it, you have people you can lean on and ask questions to and make sure that you're, you're going down the best path for you because, you know, maybe, maybe that, that gentleman who officiated the wedding would have been better off giving a really great toast or, you know, doing something at the rehearsal dinner. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe that was where he would better fit, but you know, obviously it it was what it was and you ended up coming in and saving the day. Uh, Do you do that often where you have to come in because sort of as a last minute emergency situation? No, not really. And uh, as we were talking about the license, most clerks in Pennsylvania will accept any signature on a license. As my friend, who's the clerk in my home county, said to me, we're not the marriage police. (laughs) But you spoke you spoke to this uh, exact situation about really hiring the best professionals you can when you talked about busting the myth about how much to spend on the wedding. Because getting the best professionals can be expensive, but that doesn't mean you have to have, you know, 200 people at your wedding. Put your money where on the things that you value. And I'm very, very sad when I see something that I consider very old fashioned, uh, a budget on a website, what couples should expect to spend and the amount that they designate for the officiant is tiny, it kind of harkens back to the day when the priest, the lonely old priest would come and have the big thing was that he would get to have the dinner and sit at the dinner and have a have a free meal, you know. But like those days are pretty much long past. And it's mm-hmm. a very old fashioned outlook to think that like you shouldn't spend money on an officiant. It's one of the most important things of the whole day, if arguably the most important thing, the time when you're actually getting married. Yeah, and that's something that I feel like when I first started out, people were always saying, "Oh, I, I just uh, the ceremony is going to be quick and it's going to be ten minutes." But over the last four or five years, I've seen people really interested in in making their ceremony meaningful, um, especially after gay marriage really became nationally legal because there wasn't there wasn't a lot of traditions there. Like they they got to make up a lot of what they wanted. They got to really personalize uh, their ceremony. So what? As you're going through the process with your couples, how do you tell them or how do you communicate with them in a way to make their ceremony unique and personal to them? Rather than, you know, having their friends stand up and talk about being clever and, you know, talk about how amazing love is, how do guests, how do 
couples who are in this process now make their ceremony special and unique to them? Well, I take the time to find out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's a big deal. I'll give you an example of that. Uh, I was okay. speaking with a couple the other day. Uh, she comes from uh, a family that her spiritual background was that her father practiced yoga as a spiritual path. And she grew up uh, with that as a guiding principle in her life. And uh, her partner is Filipino. And uh, they said to me, we want to do uh, the coins, the rope, and the veil. I went, yep, I know all those. And they went, wow, you do? And I said, but we need to balance that. So I sort of created uh, I, something for them that I drew from that yogi background um, that I ca I'm calling now a namaste moment where they're <laughs> going to do this really beautiful. And now the whole world's going to hear this thing I invented for them. They're, they're going to place their palms facing each other. And I'm going to read a passage from the, the guru that was the influence in the family's life. And then they're going to look in each other's eyes and hold their palms up, touching to one another and take a few breaths and, and we'll have a little bit of silence and it'll just be a moment between them that speaks Whoa. to that yoga practice. Love wow. That. Talk about that's, I think that's one of those examples of hiring a professional who knows all like so much about different traditions and, and just different spiritual practices to really help you through this process, right? Like, like I'm, uh, what I'm, what is in my head is not coming out in my words, but do you understand what I'm saying? I do because it's what I do, Dan. I mean, <laughs> I immediately understood. I blow those, people's so minds, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, but I, I've been doing this a long time, so you know, he when he dropped the Filipino thing, I'm like, yeah, I know that, which of course I do. And then I began to tell him how I kind of modernize because I do this, whatever the tradition or culture or background. Um, I take it out of maybe it's more patriarchal roots and make it more egalitarian because that's who I am and that's who my couples are. People that find me are looking for something more modern. You know, there's something out there for everyone. I mean, and if you want something more traditional, you know, you'll find uh, a priest or a minister who will do a more traditional ceremony. And that's great. And I've actually told couples, you know, I don't think I'm the right choice for you. I think you need someone a lot more uh, religious who's going to do more spirit, more, um, you know, more scripture and do a lot more, you know, preaching, uh, than what I'm going to bring to it. So, you know, I'm kind of like in that niche off to the side, uh, a niche that uh, when you look at the statistics for how people identify in America, a niche that's growing a lot. Gotcha. So Lois, um, I think I've talked about it on this podcast before, but what are the, um, the cutest things I've ever seen at a wedding was when one of my couples um, actually shared a unity hot dog and a unity beer. Oh, um, oh yeah. So it was yeah. just it was just one of those really sweet things where they wanted to do something, you know, along the lines of unity and together, um, but they didn't necessarily want to go the route of, you know, traditional sand or whatever. It was, it was a yeah. hilarious moment. Um, and it fit this couple perfectly. What was, can you, is there any like cool moments from, from your uh, experiences that stick out in your mind? Oh, gosh, there's so many. You say beer. I think of a beer wedding that I did as well. They were into the craft beer, and they had a special beer, and it was a very small wedding, so they got this big, big chalice. They poured the beer and shared sips of the beer and then passed it along the guests, and everybody got to drink some beer. So that's how we handled that beer. 
I've done puzzles and they've done, I had uh, some, a couple that had their rings in a TARDIS before I was hip to who Doctor Who is and all that. I learned all about that from that wedding. We had a Doctor Who wedding. Um, I mean, it just goes on and on the different, you know, when you find something about a couple that's exciting to them, uh, I want to infuse that, but I don't want to make it, you know, the ceremony is not a joke. It's a very right. careful, fine line between how much fun to infuse and where to draw that line. And I take my cues from the couple. So when a couple first comes to you, what are those questions that you ask them to start kind of figuring out like how to get a little deeper and how to customize their their ceremony to them to find something meaningful to them? What do you usually well, ask them? Well, I ask them, I always ask them for a starting point and not that it's necessarily the most important thing. And I make that clear, but, uh, you know, about religious or spiritual background or lack thereof. And I let them know that I'm very comfortable either way. And I find that couples that aren't, you know, following any kind of faith tradition are sometimes a little bit closeted. I have a theory that atheists are the new closet, (laughs) you know, (laughs) um, but it's they they're so relieved when they hear that I'm accepting of wherever they are on that oh, continuum. And yeah. then, you know, is there any cultural background and does it even matter? Uh mm. oftentimes if people oh. are Irish, they're very excited about their Irish background. And I've got a lot of great Irish traditions I can uh for lack of a better word, pitch <laughs> to them, you know, like lay out in front of them, like, we could do this, we could do that, we could, what is any of that exciting to you? Um, and then you know, their journey, who they are, how they met, what, you know, what this all means to them. And what about their families and their parents? Because a very common scenario is for couples who are maybe younger, say in their 20s or early 30s, uh, who aren't following the families let's say, for example, Roman Catholic tradition, but the parents or maybe even a grandparent certainly is, and they really need to accommodate them without selling out who they are. Right. Right. And then if a couple may have children, and I love working with children in the wedding ceremony and making that a really important element, not just brushing over that. Mm. So, um, I think there's so many couples who um, come from different um, backgrounds, traditions, spiritualities, religions, whatever it is, and they're coming together. And I think it's it's almost way more common now to see that than to see people of the same same practices coming together. And I think it's it's so common for couples when they start on this journey of planning their wedding to sort of step back and be like, oh, wait, we have different traditions. How, like instead of trying to blend these things together, maybe we just don't do anything and like they don't even touch it. But I don't necessarily think that's always the best answer for everyone. Because as you said, there's there's families and sometimes there's certain members of the family that are expecting things and you want to be respectful of that. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting just the way you said that. I think I just that's, that's really just what I wanted to say about it. But <laughs> Well, I think you're really right about that. Um, and a lot of couples say, I just want something short and sweet. And the reason they mm. say that is because they've never seen a great ceremony. They can't imagine it. And couples say to me, I don't know what this would even look like, to which I say, well, I do. You know, that's why you call a professional, you know, to do what huh. you guys each do. The same is true. Um, and, and everyone deserves to have all the meaning that is needed be included all the important there's there's like arguably three milestones in any human's life birth death and i would put 
wedding next, marriage. And if you don't want to take the time to honor that, you know, you're just not thinking through it enough. I mean, <laughs> it's a big, big milestone. So there's a lot that should be said. But I think, Danielle, you're really like hitting the nail on the head when people shy away from it because they're not sure that it can be done right. And they don't want to offend anyone. So right. they, they don't want it to come across as inauthentic, right? Like they don't want to be like, I'm trying to fill this role or be this thing. But sometimes it just comes down to learning why that tradition is and where it comes from and getting a greater understanding and appreciation for it to make it feel more authentic. And I think that's where you come in really brilliantly. Um, is, is it safe to say also too, that maybe those couples that just want something short and sweet are also, um, thinking that they're just going to be really uncomfortable standing up in front of all these people for like a half an hour. Right. And like bearing their soul. That's a portion. Yeah. That's a, that's a small portion of them. And I've had, Couples own up to that to me, and I assure them that I will make it very comfortable for them and that it isn't about a show. This is not a show, and I am their voice. They don't have to be nervous, and I have a way of staging weddings, too, and different ways, but so they don't have to be looking at their guests and being uncomfortable, but they we're still feeling very inclusive. I had, uh, this past summer, I had a groom who stuttered, and he was extremely anxious about what this would mean for him in the ceremony part. And mm. especially with the vows, which we kept short and repeat after me. But ultimately, and this was their idea. I cannot take credit for it, but it was brilliant. And I immediately said, yes, let's do this. They said, can we repeat them together? And wow. I just loved it. So I gave the, the couple phrases, you know, I take you, I take you. And then they said them in unison, and it gave him a lot of confidence to be able to speak out loud. Oh. And you know what? It was powerful. It was really nice. That's awesome. So, and yeah. If, what a sign of, like, teamwork and just supporting one another, too. That's wonderful. Yeah, do I you often um, Do you often get couples who prefer to write their own vows? Um, yeah, about half of my couples do. And I would like to say this about writing your own vows. It's great if you can, but don't feel the pressure to do that. When you have a customized ceremony of the kind that celebrants like myself do, it takes a lot of the onus off of you to put your whole life story into your vows because the ceremony is in a lot of ways expressing a lot of that. Uh, so you can go with a little more traditional. Um, but I think a lot when you hear these vows that are really super long, you know, when I first met you 10 years <laughs> ago and then it takes off from there, it's because it's the only time in the ceremony the couple – has the chance to tell that story. But Somebody finally gave with, them a microphone, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if my couples that I'm working with want to write their own vows, I, I referee them. And I ask them each mostly. And um, I will uh, give them each privately a heads up. Like, you know, it's a little too long. Can I have a little? Let me edit it a little for you. Or, you know, you need a little romantic closer on that line or uh, you know, one of them is much longer than the other or one's too funny and the other. I want them to be completely in balance and equal because I not on my watch. No one's going to walk out of that ceremony going, oh, I should have worked harder on my vows. I'm so embarrassed. Hers were so good. You know, that's not going to happen with me. I'm not going to let that happen to them. That's awesome. And you're a third person who's not going to share those vows or come into it from any other place. Like it's not a mom looking at them or a sister mm -hmm. who's going to judge mm -hmm. them differently and say, no, oh, that word sounds stupid. Or like, you can't say that. And, right. You know, you're, but you're I would say to all your listeners, if you, if you don't 
Right. But if you don't have someone, uh, your officiant to do that, please get someone to do it for mm-hmm. you. Yes. Yeah. A non-biased third party who right. loves you. <laughs> well, well, all right. Well, you mentioned children before. Let's talk about kids. Yeah. <laughs> the other the other fun factor of life. So um, I guess we can think of this from two different ways is incorporating children, um, children of the couple, uh, whether it's both of them, one or the other, and then also children that are just maybe um, being flower girls, ring bearers, that sort of thing. Well, that this the latter is a piece of cake. If it's your nieces or nephews or, you know, the, the kids of your best friend. Yeah. Be a ring bearer or a flower girl. That's totally fine. Uh, deal done. I don't have much more to say about that. But if it's your children, it's kind of a big deal. Okay. And I, I find it really upsetting to think, and I've seen this, to see the children of a couple getting married sitting there and being basically ignored through the ceremony as if something important wasn't happening to them also. Because right. it is. Now, it depends on the age of the kids. And it also depends on what the relationship with the former spouse is like is stepmom or stepdad uh, super involved with the children or not in the picture is these are some of the questions I would ask, you know, before I would suggest what we might do to incorporate those children Um, and also the age of the kids and uh, how everyone's getting along. Uh, But I, at the very minimum, I definitely want to, acknowledge those children and thank them. Um, sometimes I ha- I ask the couple to say a little I do to the children, just like I oh. ask that, uh, just like they say an I do before they take their vows. Do you agree? Do you take so-and-so in- now as you take so-and-so into your heart? You Do you also accept, and I name the children, you know, the children, ABC, uh, and promise to be the best step-parent you can be or promise to be the best you know, guiding force in their life and love them and treat them fairly, you know, whatever the words are going to be. And then the, yeah, then the person says, I do. And the kids are standing there. I bring them up and I have them stand in front of us and we speak directly to them and they get to hear their parent promise to still be the best parent they can be, even though things are changing. I love that. That's got to be so powerful for those kids to be there witnessing and then also be such a big part of it. Yeah, huh. just walking down the aisle for your parent getting married doesn't quite cut it to me. Yeah, it's not a, it's not enough. And I think that's where, as a parent too, you have to know that child's personality and know what he or she was comfortable doing, and you know how involved that they want to be. Because I, I've definitely worked with couples before. Um, one case in particular where there was, um, I think it was two or three children of the groom, and the bride um, was coming in, and everybody was was very, um, very wonderful to one another, and it was just a very positive thing. But the day of the wedding, the oldest daughter, who I would say is probably somewhere around the age of ten emotionally was having a hard time with everything um and i and we didn't pry the bride handled it probably better than any person i i could have ever imagined because it stopped the whole day uh it stopped pictures it stopped it stopped everything for a good two hours um Mm. and i i don't i don't you know it's it's a tough thing but i think it's one of those things where you just as as a parent that's where your kids sort of come first and you just you have to roll with it and, and go through with it all. But I think just um, the fact that they let her process things and, and work through it and, and do what it is she needed to do, I guess it just spoke a lot, I think, to their personalities. Um, and it really just it 
it hurt made her feel a little bit more at ease and then the rest of the day it got better and she was able I mean by the end of the night she was partying and dancing but I think she just had a bit of a moment I don't know in that case I don't know what the mama situation was um, I don't know if mom had maybe passed away and this was just like a very sensitive situation and she was just old enough to mm-hmm. realize that like this is a new chapter now um, right but it was it was interesting but I think there's just there's so many different ways you can go about it um, but I, I love what you're saying about that Lois I think that's awesome and then there's the older kids, too, you know, mm-hmm. who may be, you know, I have married couples who have adult children or, or older teens, but I still want to recognize that and right. know where are they at with all this. And, you know, that's a really good opportunity. You know how we often see readings in ceremonies. That's a great opportunity for an older teen or an adult child to come forward and and offer some uh, wisdom through a reading. You know, that's a great role for someone of, of that age. Gifts are nice. You can give gifts to the kids. I always like um, making the comparison of uh, the, the couple is exchanging rings and the rings are a physical symbol of the commitment. And now they give the children a physical symbol as well. So a gift and making sure that they get that that comparison and they understand why they're being given a little gift. If it's a, a young girl, it's especially perfect to have dad put like a necklace around her. Oh my Aww. God. That's the cutest thing. <laughs> and, you know, t- tears all around. That's a, that's a great moment. So it's a little harder yeah. with the little boys, but, uh, you know, g- gifts can like work really well. Yeah. You get a new <laughs> Ferrari <laughs> kid. <laughs> There's your wedding truck. <laughs> your wedding truck. Um, it has a little just married and a little thing of cans on the back of it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of, of older children, um, have you ever worked with, any couples who are getting married in their 50s, 60s, 70s or anything? Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a wedding this year and the couple, I, I, I got to talk with her and they hired me. They're mm. 70 and they've had this amazing life mm. apart and separate from each other. And like mm-hmm. they finally are coming together and it feels right and everything mm. is coming together. So it's like how you were talking before about speeches and the ceremony where the couple like finally gets this microphone and they want to pour all this stuff into their vows so how do you how would you approach something like that where they've got you know maybe this is their second marriage or fourth or whatever but they're finally coming together and you know it's towards the end of life whatever you call it how do you approach something like that well i'd have to know the specifics about them but one thing that just popped into my mind that i am doing with an older couple is they're coming their processional is completely different they're each huh. coming in at the same time with their families wow <laughs> and cool. they're meeting at the front so they're coming around the sides of the chairs instead oh. of down the center aisle and they're meeting at the front with their crew <laughs> with cool. their crew okay and with their that. crew of people and bringing their life with them. And I, and I will say, I, I'm a big believer in stating the obvious. I've been accused of that often and I, I admit to it. Uh, so I'll say something like, um, you know, as you, I'm sure you noticed when the, the couple entered, they each walked a separate path symsymbolizing the roads they have each traveled to be here today. And with them, we see their, you know, and then that's, that's a, that's my launching pad to talking a little bit about their journey and what brings them okay. together. And that goes for anyone, too. I mean, obviously, in this case, we're talking about those that maybe um, are older, have more grown family. But y- you can do that at, at any age. I think that's one of the lovely things when you get married, um, maybe in a more untraditional setting. I guess I'm specifically saying outside of a church, but that's more where my brain tends to go. So I think 
when you do that, you're able to sort of customize things and personalize it in a way that that makes a lot of sense to you. Maybe you're not a person who's comfortable walking down the aisle. Like if you're a bride and maybe you don't have a great relationship with just your dad, you want to incorporate all of your family. You can you can do that. I mean, right? Like there's no there's no hard and fast rules that if you don't walk down the aisle in a white dress with a bouquet on your arm and a veil over your face and a an older gentleman on your arm that like that is then you're not a bride. You know what I mean? Like that's not a that's not a hard and fast thing. Right. And thanks to you and and celebrants and people putting it out there, uh, people are picking up on this. It's so yeah. true. And e- even in church, I, I think that you could break some of those rules as well. But certainly at an outdoor oh, yeah. or at a different venue, you certainly can. Uh, in the Jewish tradition, the mother and father escort the bride down the aisle. Mm-hmm. And a lot of uh, Christians or non-practicing people have t- taken note of that and, and are doing that as well. And I think that's yep. lovely. Like, why should you exclude your mom if right. you have t- a good relationship with both your parents? But Danielle, yep. you touched on something very important. Not everyone has a dad or a great yeah. relationship with their dad. And putting so much emphasis on your father's going to escort you if you're a woman, like that's an unreasonable expectation for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Today's episode of the Put a Ring on It podcast is brought to you by Manly Bands. As a dude, you probably don't realize there's some pretty sweet options out there other than the traditional gold and silver for wedding bands. Manly Bands offers unique wedding bands at an affordable price, as in all less than $200 affordable. And if you procrastinate it, you can get your ring super fast, like in as little as four days fast. This doesn't help you, though, if your best man loses your ring on the way to the altar. They're not that fast. Right. And they also have really great customer service, offering free exchanges in the United States and a 30-day we-got-you-bro return policy if you don't absolutely love your manly band. And every band has a one-year, no-hassle warranty. Save 15% off your manly band ring when you use code RINGONIT at checkout. Visit manlybands.com, enter promo code RINGONIT, all one word, R-I-N-G-O-N-I-T. Shall we? All right, let's transition to talking about ceremony programs, because I think that was something else, um, Lois, that I know you had a few thoughts on. Um, Okay. Shall we dive into that topic? I would love to. Anything you want to talk about, I'm game. (laughs) (laughs) You seem like such a wealth of knowledge. I love this. It's a long time. I've been doing this a long time. (laughs) (laughs) So any advice, I guess, when it comes to ceremony programs, Lois? Well, yeah, it's interesting. I sometimes get an email uh, from a couple and they say, could you please send us the order of service? And I immediately know why they're asking that. They're going to do a wedding program and they're going to list processional, uh, roses for the mother, scriptural (laughs) reading, uh, I, you know, vows and like, and I feel like, why do you want somebody to hold a piece of paper telling you what's happening next that just it basically you're encouraging people to just check it off check oh did that check and and you're not letting the experience unfold in a natural way and in a, sometimes in a surprising and beautiful wonderful way um just like we want people to turn off their cell phones we want people to be present in the ceremony and let it unfold before you and a checklist doesn't encourage that so i would say two things First of all, you don't need a program. So if you're already feeling stressed, don't even do it. It's not necessary. But if you want to do it or you're very 
creative and you love putting things like this together, use it as an opportunity for what they call, I think, in like advertising, like added value. Is that, you know, mm-hmm. like use it to add extra things that you maybe weren't able to fit into the ceremony or didn't weren't appropriate for the ceremony or reception. Like talk about who your bridal party is, your brides, your attendants, you know, list them, tell something about them. Maybe your pets, pictures of your dog. It could be anything, a beautiful poem that you really didn't have time to fit into the ceremony, whatever it is that and it gives people something fun and interesting to read while they're waiting for the processional to begin. And then they can put aside once the ceremony starts. Uh, I actually had a couple once and Lois, you actually did the wedding with me where the couple did a word search in their program. So as, as their guests got together and before the ceremony began, we put a little, uh, we put a little golf pencil on the top of every program on each seat. So guests were able to have this fun little, but that was who the couple was. They were very gamey and very sweet and just wonderful people all around. But I love that. I'm though, I, my background, maybe because my background is in theater and dance is there's always a program, right? There's, there's, you know, if you go see a show, there's, you know, there's an order, there's a cast, there's all these things. And, I love it from that perspective, but I'm also a person who loves to know the um, the run of show, the, the game plan for the day. So maybe that's why I come at it from that perspective. But I yeah, actually I see, see what that. you're saying. You make it a really sense. good point. I did have a, I did, yeah, I did have a couple that did the program that looked just like a playbill. You would have loved that. I would <laughs> love that. That's true. Have you ever done a yeah. Harry Potter wedding, Lois? I have not. I did a ah. star. I did. A, I've done a few uh, Disney weddings. And I've uh, included some Harry Potter quotes and stuff, but I've never done one that was a full-out theme like that now. Yeah. It's on our bucket actually, list for sure. Yeah. Hopefully, Danielle and I will get to that one day. Um, <laughs> but actually, le- leads me to another question as we're talking about, like, kind of these memorable things that stick with you. Do you have any – over all the years that you've, you know, been officiating weddings, do you have any – moments that really stick with you i feel like you've talked about a couple um but just ones that really stick with you for one reason or another maybe it was just a, a sweet moment or something completely unique or something unexpected do you have anything that pops into your mind about that um yeah there's so much diversity to what i do I, maybe yeah. um the um the jane the, the groom was jane jainism is like um a sect that's similar to Hinduism, but not quite. Mm. It's he's from India. And the bride was Jewish. So it was Jewish Jane. And when I was interviewing oh. them, I asked him, he was actually from India. And I asked him when he thought back to ceremonies and things in India that really stuck out, what did he think of first? What came to mind? And he said, fire. And we did a fire ritual. Whoa. And I learned, uh, yeah, that's not too often you get to do that. So that was, they used, they, they brought a fire pit, you know, one of those portable fire pits and we got a nice fire going and we had different elements and I kind of made up the ritual, you know, with input from them and doing some research and we tossed different things into the fire and we said what they symbolized and which coordinated to like uh, philosophy. Um, but the one thing I, I still remember about this, because it was quite a few years ago, was one of the elements I had suggested was petals, like from flower petals. And he said, no, we can't do that. They're still alive. Uh, and so Whoa. I was like, yeah, I'm like, OK, you know, I noted. I re- Yes, duly noted. And we we used rice and um, 
little bits of paper and some some other seeds or something. I forget the elements we used. And, you know, we said what they represented and we threw them into the fire pit. It was really cool. That's awesome. Huh. Is it bad that my mind went to two places? One, I would have wanted to throw popcorn kernels in there just to get popcorn. <laughs> 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 and two, as a planner, I could easily see me like in the back of the ceremony at that point holding a fire extinguisher, you know, like just in case. <laughs> like, All right, guys, ready, you know? <laughs> that one so rogue funny. piece of ash. I know, Those are right? both excellent thoughts. Wait, was this indoors or was it outdoors? Oh, no, it was outdoors. <laughs> okay, okay. Just, I don't know, just yeah, making yeah. sure. <laughs> no fire pit indoors. It was, thank goodness it was outdoors. Geez, some venues don't even let you bring in candles. I can't even imagine having to do yeah. that, asking a venue if we could do that inside of a, inside their, their, their business. Yeah. Sure, exactly. there's no problem with that. That's awesome. Seen, I think yeah. that's so awesome. Have you seen any cool ceremony things, Danielle? I, I, I'm trying to think of, oh I think goodness, the only yes. like, non-traditional thing that I've really seen. Like I do a lot of church weddings. I do, I'm trying to get into some more outdoor weddings, but one of the ones I've seen was an outdoor kind of loosely Christian Jewish wedding where they, they uh, did a ceremonial foot washing. And I thought that was really sweet where he got down on his hands and knees first uh, and said, this is my way of telling you that I'm going to serve you. I'm going to put you first. And he took off her shoes and, you know, put up her dress and put a towel around and washed her feet. And I thought that was really a really sweet gesture. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I love that. Yeah, it was really sweet. We once did a, a ceremony where all of the guests um, were given these little flags that said yay on them. And there was a little bell attached to each flag. And they were on the seats of, as um, as all the guests took their seats for the start of the ceremony. And the um, officiant at the start of it told everyone, you know, if there's any point throughout the ceremony that you feel excited or happy or just want to express your love, you have permission to ring your little flag and, you know, ring your bell. And what ended up happening is throughout most of the ceremony, these little <laughs> bells just started ringing. And it was so sweet because, you know, the, the guests got to be involved and it. it became almost I a little bit. But like it was very joyful, but it was a little funny, not in the like, you know, inappropriate way, but it was just it was so wonderful. And like every when they kissed, you know, all the bells were ringing and also all the pictures, you see these little um, these little yay flags. Uh, It was it was awesome. That wasn't my idea at all. It was that was uh, that's a nice visual, too. I'm sure the photographer loved it. I think (laughs) this is something I'm writing about right now. Uh, I do a column every week, a wedding column and um, for the uh, my local paper. And it rolls on my blog, people. If you want to, on my mm-hmm. on my website, it's the Pope and a uh, wedding talk, it. right? Um, and I'm writing about an interactive ceremony, which is exactly what you're speaking about, Danielle. Mm-hmm. Like when you can get people involved doing things instead of just sitting like a bump on a log, and you can have right. them really participating. Because after all, that's why you invite people to be a part of your big day, to literally be a part of it. So if there's things you can do to get people like waving a little flag or just, you know, being more super involved. I'm all for it. More engaged. I agree. This was awesome. Thank you, Lois, for sharing so much of your expertise. And I was actually, um, as we're wrapping up this episode, where can we find out more about you? What, what you do? How do we, how do we connect with you? Well, my website's probably the best jumping off point. I mean, I, I have a lot of other social media, but it's just my name, loisheckman.com. And like I said, my uh, column rolls on uh, on the websites. You can scroll back and there's all kinds of topics that if you want to learn about something that's specific to you. Uh, last week, I wrote about a Puerto Rican Italian wedding. <laughs> so oh. I don't write about specific <laughs> client weddings. I wrote about 
in theory, how would I combine those two traditions? And, um, you know, so there's like tons of ideas back there. Feel free to use them all. They're there for people to learn. And I know we all learn from each other in this profession. So that's very true. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. I I felt like I was all over the place, but I'm counting on you to make it sound uh, coherent. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're here for. Yep. Okay. Um, so to all of our listeners out there, check out our website, put a ring on it, podcast.com for show notes and to get updates on season four. And don't forget, you can send us your questions for those upcoming Dear Dan episodes. Head to the website, click on the Get In Touch button. We're getting tons of, of emails from you guys and they're awesome. I'm, I'm super overwhelmed and joyed. Overjoyed? Joyed. Oh, I'm joyed. excited. All of it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, check us out on Facebook. Just search, put a ring on it. Um, you can ask questions on there. Also send us emails like Daniel said. Um, and then and Daniel, tell them about you. the Patreon page. Yes. Thank you very, very much. We are getting people supporting us on Patreon, which is awesome. Patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. We are feeling your love and we're feeling your support and we are um, joyed. <laughs> <laughs> joyed. Excited. Is, it would be so that- overjoyed. I don't feel like we're overjoyed. overjoyed. We're excited. We're hyped. This is where I need a thesaurus. All right, you guys, we will see you in two weeks. You just coined a phrase. You're joyed. I love that. And when you hit your 50th, let's do a ceremony. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There we go. (laughs) Um, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks, Lois, for being here. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Woohoo. Bye-bye. Bye.